Well, hello everyone again. What an amazing start we have had on Live Work Digital. It was a privilege to showcase two amazing women that are driven to succeed. Now, for episode three, we have a bit of a change in pace. Today, we would like to introduce to you Jason Borg, our new resident SEO expert. Now, he probably would say that he isn't an expert, but in mine and Lisa's books, he definitely is. Jason is also studying at Curtin University and Lisa has crossed paths with him before whilst doing other subjects. Technically, he is a digital analyst by trade and he currently works with Beyond Blue in the digital team there. Through our interview with him, he attempts to demystify the hocus pocus that is SEO and gets us down to the nitty gritty basics without the technical woo-ha explanations. Now, SEO is a massive concept but today we will give you the basics of what we have learnt and we hope the information is useful for anyone that listens to this episode. Enough of the introduction, Lisa and I hope you get a lot out of this episode and it provides you with some easy to understand insights on SEO. Welcome, Jason. Thank you for joining our Live Work Digital blog. We really appreciate you coming on. So, so Jason and I, I can't remember how we connected at uni first, just over discussion boards or seeing each other's names popped up. But then we connected via LinkedIn and obviously realized we go to uni together. And um, and now we've recently, all three of us have ended up in the yeah. same unit doing similar projects. We've got you on our podcast in the capacity of a search engine optimization expert. So I hope you feel comfortable with that title. It should be fine, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've been working with it for a number of years now, so uh, uh, I, I'm pretty comfortable with it. Oh, good. Okay, awesome. So tell us, in a, in a couple of sentences, if that's possible, what you do exactly and who you yeah. do it for. Yeah, sure. So I'm a digital analyst for Beyond Blue and my work is pretty much split into two key areas. So the first is uh, sort of the data-driven side and that involves mm-hmm. uh, configuring data flows across different digital and offline data sources, feed them through mm-hmm. the dashboards, pull together uh, custom and, and uh, standard metrics and dimensions and then to allow the different analysts, marketers, and and stakeholders to either A, uh, be able to generate their own reporting and to sort of report Mm -hmm. on those to their team leads, or B, to uh, sort of dissect that information and to come up with some pretty in-depth reporting as far as what audiences are doing, when they're doing it, and what they really want or what they really need, and whether the um, digital offerings that uh, Beyond Blue has is actually catering to those. That's the first part. Just really quickly, though, stepping back a little bit. Yeah. Just for our audience and for me mostly, from a day-to-day, all of that I kind of get because of my corporate background. Yes. But for the average person, what does that all mean? Okay, if they were running their own business, it basically means that I'm able to together information from different sources and then be able to identify uh, areas of their strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and their threats. Right. And yeah. I do this uh, as part of my SEO work. So um, right. the second part of my job is as an SEO specialist. My role is sort of in, in that area is two-pronged. So the first is as a, 
as an advisor mm -hmm. to advise the, the publishing and marketing teams uh, on best practice with SEO. Yep. But the second mm -hmm. part of that is also then to get my hands dirty in the technical side of SEO. So this is uh, sort of the more IT driven aspect of it. So yep. we all know what Beyond Blue is. But from a digital perspective, mm -hmm. what is what is the objective of Beyond Blue online and on the internet? What does it try to capture? Okay. What sort of information? Okay, so what um, so what Beyond Blue tries to do is it tries to to provide a level of support all Australians, regardless of their yep. background, regardless of uh, who they are or where they are, mm -hmm. in the form of either a self-help through through a number of articles. So at the moment, we've just launched the COVID-specific website, which focuses on mm -hmm. mental health. And it also provides either through self-help or through, through a resource or, or a series of resources where users can actually call through to uh, mental health services. Or they can yeah. go and to see their GP to further discuss ways yeah. to improve their mental health or even sure. or even just to maintain it. Okay, great. That's yeah. awesome. Good on yeah. Beyond so Blue. Yeah. Some great yeah. Work. So it's it's trying to capture people's awareness of mental health without them realizing that they have a mental health issue potentially. That's right? correct. So, uh, so there are a number of people that, or a number of um, uh, personas that we do try to reach out to. So, one of those uh, is people who do know that they seem to have more than just a few number of bad days, and they they could be mm -hmm. something even more um, serious than this. So we mm -hmm. so we tailor to them so that they identify or at least try to look for identifying signs that they could be uh, they could be experiencing a mental health at issue, risk or... and then to sure. go and seek help. Another audience that we try to reach out to are those that are looking after someone. A carer. Correct. So a carer. So we provide them with tips, tools and resources that can help mm -hmm. them manage that type of work. Yeah. And, and another group are, is those that know the value of well-being and mental health and, uh, yeah. and are just looking to maintain that. There are yeah. a couple of uh, handy tips, handy tools, a couple of uh, uh, articles that, uh, that are written that are yeah. designed with, uh, with that group in mind. Very so, good. As an example, it's kind of like I need to get from Melbourne to Brisbane. There's a car. There's a map. There's how you put petrol in mm -hmm. it. So we're going up the Hume Highway because this is where we think this is the right way to go. But different things happen. And sometimes we need to go through Canberra or Wollongong based on the things that we learn along the way, like roadblocks. Yes, correct. So, so hypothetically, yeah. there could be an instance where you're driving on the way and sort of heading towards mm -hmm. Canberra. You get a uh, warning on Google Maps that uh, you've got a uh, you've got a roadblock coming up because there's mm. roadworks and that the nearest turn off is uh, maybe a couple of kilometres away. So you have to mm -hmm. act beforehand. Well, okay, I'm travelling on this one straight line. To all of a sudden, yeah. well, okay, now I've got a, a roadblock coming up. What do I do? And so yeah. if we take that into Beyond Blues instance, we could yeah. hypothetically, as a um, as an individual, you might find that yeah, there are a couple of you've had more than just a couple of bad days, and you've noticed that you've been a little bit perhaps under the weather. You might be down, be, yeah, might be down, or you might be a little bit more anxious, or you uh, you might mm. be a little bit more fearful, and you've mm. realised that. But now you know. Well, okay, what do I do next? And so uh, there yes. are a couple of checklists yeah. that we that are on uh, the Beyond Blue website. There are references yeah. to government and, uh, and health-related um, sites, which yeah. does allow the user to sort of take that extra step in their um, information-seeking journey. Yeah. So your role is you're the little Google Maps mind that changes direction because of the data that comes through, which is instant, and you go, 
man, you, you can go left or right, but this is the way I think you should Correct. go. Correct. So, so my role is more or less a case of, well, okay, this is the current situation. This is what our audience does at the moment. This is how our content sits at the moment. If we look at best practice or we look at what the audience uh, resonates with, they are resonating slightly mm. differently based on a slightly different need. You might want to tweak your content here and there or you might want to, say, shorten that piece of content so that it gets to the point mm. and that mm. it more immediately answers that user need. And so mm -hmm. you end up with, basically, uh, when that work is complete, you end up with a two, uh, two results. So the first is you're answering the user's need more easily and they're more likely to not only visit that page but then extend that journey to other related pages on, on the website. Indirectly, that data is being fed back to a, a search engine like Google that says, well, okay, more users are getting more value out of this content. So when the next update comes along, we're going to rank this page higher. Yeah, right. So how does, yeah. say, a new, so say I'm, I'm a new business owner mm -hmm. and I want to be able to uh, get my, say I've, I've written a course Mm -hmm. And the course is about mental health. Yep. Um, and I want to be able to um, target, say I don't even know who might, I just know that there's people out there who might need my course. What would I need to try and work out to be able to target a specific audience? Okay, so if if we're looking at content and we're looking at uh, targeting specific audience, I guess the first thing that, that you'd probably need to do is uh, sort of identify what sort of content you're looking at building or you're looking at editing. Mm -hmm. And then the mm -hmm. second thing is if you've got access to any sort of data that relates to your, to your site or your, or your course, mm -hmm. in most instances, what the website sits on will provide you with a high-level overview where most of that traffic is going. You can then start to dissect that data to identify, okay, what are the most popular pages? How long do people spend on those pages? When people right. are coming on, to the to the website what are that what uh, which pages are they landing on first and yep. is that sort of driving driving user activity further on the site for longer and so if right. you can start to identify those little pieces of information that should give you a, a high level overview that okay these are the pieces of content that are more popular for users or yep. these are the pieces mm -hmm. of content that users are getting much more value out of Let's see right. if we can, A, identify the topics and the subtopics, B, based on, based on the, the other pages that they've gone to while they've visited this page, see if we can, yeah. see if we can link those pages up uh, and make that journey a little easier. That way, the user is sort of enticed to stay on a little more and other right. users who do initially come through but may for some reason or another visit another page or, or exit the site altogether, when they come back, they too will be enticed with these with these internal links that you're providing that they'll be able to extend their journeys on the pages that you mm. suggest to them. Right, because mm -hmm. that's really tricky because, for instance, I have a blog on my website and which I'm sure a lot of people have because as when you're starting up a business, one of the things like, you know, you type in, things I need to do when starting a business to get noticed. And one of the things that pop up is <laughs> blogging. And um, and so I have a blog and like sometimes they go gangbusters, you know, and yep. I'm, I'm, I'm delivering the, the blog to the same audience, which is bloody no one, let's be real. It's, um, it's Facebook <laughs> and a couple of people on LinkedIn, which might click it every now and then. But every now and then one 
gets a gets a lot of traction and I can see that on my dashboard and I'm sure other people find this as well like they'll write all this stuff but only one thing will get will get people's mm-hmm, hearts mm-hmm. racing or whatever yep. it might be so would it be say taking a real deep look at that blog and being like well what's it about and who are the people that are that are interested in it yeah yeah and uh, one of the th- um, i mean if we're looking at that instance for example one of the other things that that you could consider is well okay at what time of the year did i or what time did i actually publicize this or, or promote this what events mm. have happened around this time or what other pieces of communication have happened around this time that could be uh, raising people's awareness about the topic that you're that you're discussing on this uh, post. And so, oh, right. when when there's enough awareness and enough interest and enough uh, publicity on that particular topic, publish this post that just seemingly discusses this exact topic in yeah a, in to an audience or a sub audience that is interested in a specific part of that topic, that's when mm. you're you're likely to get a lot more traction. So one of the tools that you can possibly use for that is, is Google Trends, which allows you to identify the search terms, the themes, and the um, the topics that are relevant to people either in a in a particular state or or in a particular country. Yeah, right. So you can just go on to Google Trends. Correct. And yep. type and what do you do once you get there? Well, once you get there, uh, uh, when you sort of have a look at the um, the interface, it's a pretty uh, pretty simple interface. So you can compare mm-hmm. anything up to about four four or five um, search terms or or, yeah. or uh, uh, topics, and what you'll what you'll get in return uh, based on sort of the the country or the the um, the city or the the date range that you input. You will get a, yeah. a graph and or a number of graphs and charts which uh, sort of tell you the hotspots of where oh. where those topics are yeah. trending and also yeah. over time how they're trending. Right. So I may have a question like, what is the most popular topic currently in blogs? Yep. Whatever, and then pump it in, and it'll tell you COVID nineteen is this is what they're talking about in. Australia, someone else might be talking about something else in Southeast Asia, right? Is that how no, it not, comes out? No, not that? necessarily. Not you have to think about the no. topics or the, the search terms that you want to enter in. Oh, so so okay. in that instance, you would think about COVID-19, could even cross-reference yep. that with coronavirus. You could cross-reference that with, say, at the moment, work from home, which we're all uh, uh, having to do at yeah. this point in time. And you can yep. you can sort of set the geographical setting to, say, global or to part a part of Asia, uh, or even a part of Australia, mm-hmm. uh, or even Australia, and then mm-hmm. you'll be able to see where those topics are um, trending more than in other areas, and for how long. Right. So now, because okay. my question would be, say I've I've got my piece of information. So say it is, I don't know, I have a French bulldog. So let's mm-hmm. talk about him, and it's French bulldog breathing difficulties, yep. and that's what it, people in in Melbourne are blogging about right now mm-hmm. wanting to find out I don't know so say that's my industry and and you know breathing French people sorry French bulldogs and their breathing difficulties is a thing yep. how could I use that information to generate leads on my website okay so you would be looking at you'd be looking at data sort of from a from a longer uh, longitudinal perspective and when I say that I mean mm-hmm. anything more than about uh, 12 months and mm-hmm. the reason why you would do that is you'd be looking to identify whether there's any whether there is a trend in okay. this case is is the is the um, uh, the search volume for French bulldogs and breathing difficulties uh, increasing, 
or is it decreasing? Mm. And then the next thing you'd be looking at is, okay, is there any seasonality about it? So uh, are there times of year where, where French bulldogs seem to, uh, yeah. seem to be more of a hot topic than others? So maybe in the warmer months where... Uh, it is, 100%. Yeah. So are we looking at warmer months uh, where these things are picking up? And so that then tells you, okay, this is the time of year when I should be writing and promoting it. And then if you want to look at the geographical uh, breakdown or the, um, I suppose, the hotspots, and you find, mm. say, for example, your eastern seaboard states are trending sort of higher than, than the rest of Australia, at that time of year, well, then uh, hypothetically, if you really wanted to, you could then tee that up with, uh, with say, a, uh, a paid Facebook or um, uh, Instagram account mm. and then push out posts to the to people that live along the eastern seaboard at that time of year. And so what, oh, you're, wow. what you're essentially doing is you're combining SEO for um, social media, you're combining SEO mm. on your website, and then you're also adding search engine marketing or SEM because you're paying to get that traffic to come mm. through. And if your content has been written well enough and if you've made yeah. full use of your metadata and you've uh, made sure that your content and the links on that page incite users to continue their journey, that's where the SEO then kicks in because SEO mm. takes a little bit longer to, to generate traction than what search engine marketing does but it lasts longer, a lot longer. Right. Because you want to grow your organic Correct. growth by people finding Correct. you without anything being paid, yeah? Exactly. And so what that like does is you're not only – Correct. So you're not only – the end result is your web presence is not only inciting new users to come via organic search, but you're also inciting uh, repeat visitors to, to come back to the site because they've already been there once mm. or twice before and they've seen the value in your content and uh, they've uh, either bookmarked it or they've remembered it, mm. and uh, they're going to use that as a go-to for any particular issues that they may have in this instance about their French bulldog. Yeah. This is fabulous. I feel like it's never been explained like that to me before. I guess I... That's why we're sucking as much yeah. information out of Jason <laughs> as possible today, we're actually, we're actually getting business advice right now for free, just, just FYI. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, to be to be brutally honest, it, it is, uh, I think it's heard SEO being referenced as a dark art. I've yeah. uh, heard people talk about mm. SEO in terms of uh, focusing on keywords and, mm. um, uh, and headings. Yep. The problem is when you limit your understanding to that or you dismiss it as a dark art, it then becomes a case of, well, I need to lean on someone else. Yes. I need to pay for that service. And that's mm. not necessarily the case. Because if you make full use of everything that you have at your disposal mm. on your website, for example, if you make use of your metadata fields, for example, yep, metadata to the average person is right. So what? when you're so when you're writing, yep. So when you're writing a web page in the inside the content management system, you will find a couple of fields. So for your title, mm -hmm. for your um, for your keywords, yeah. for your description. Yep. If you fill those in and you stick to the to the prescribed um, character count limit, and you sort of follow, if anything, good practice mm -hmm. what you're doing is you're you're providing a search engine with a direct link to your site because right. the search engine is going to reference that first before it references your content right yeah, it's okay. going to once it's once it's uh, pulled through that information and it's digested that information search engines use bots uh, to crawl through sites mm -hmm. and so once they first suck that piece of information in they say well okay this is what the site is about this is what the page is about let's read through that content to make sure that 
the content that is on that page is actually what the metadata is telling me. Right. And if it's so, then you're ticking off a box there. So it needs to match. Correct. Oh, is this, okay, so, this so is when, a dark So art. when there's a signpost where it says, now entering Canberra, it needs to be Canberra rather than it's not much point putting a signpost where it's like Queen Bien and you're actually in Canberra. That <laughs> no, that doesn't make sense. That's right. Yeah. So, so if we're going, so if we're going to go back, if we're going to go to that analogy and you're looking yeah. at road signs, for example, your road sign would have to say, okay, Canberra, X yep. amount of Ks. So uh-huh. then if, if you're the person driving, you would uh, assume the role of a, uh, of a, um, a, a crawler or a bot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you would assume the role of Googlebot and you're digesting that information. So you're yeah. saying, okay, I know I'm on the right road because it says Canberra, X amount of kilometres. And then if you look a little bit, you drive a little bit further down and then there is an arrow uh, sort of going off that freeway that says Canberra. X amount of kilometers. That's that that's sort of a little bit like a link. Mm. So so that link says, well, okay, you can go through Cam, you can get to Canberra through here. You just need to click on this link, yeah. but you'll be taken to a related piece of content first before you reach your destination. This is really fascinating. And you know what I didn't know was that the head because I have um, a Weebly website which I have no clue what's going on and I have mm-hmm. a heading so on the so I can I have like a big blank space on one side which I can fill in with all these blocks and you know words and pictures and pretty things yep. which I understand but then on the left hand side it has yeah heading subheading keywords um, I think sometimes it mm-hmm. says metadata or foot footer code I don't know it says a few weird things yep. but yep. I've never yep. um, I've never understood the link between the heading and the description that I would put for that yep. part and the actual content that I have written on that page. I didn't realise that they actually need to basically match up or complement each other enough that the bot will understand that the page yeah. that it's just found is is actually has information about what it said it was going to talk about, basically. Yeah, definitely, because that pe- that those bits of information not only sucked up by Googlebot or any search mm. engine bot, it's also then referenced and, and stored inside a repository or search engine algorithm. Yeah, right. So what happens is when a user types on, uh, I mean, hypothetically, if we're going back to the French Bulldog yeah. uh, example, you type on French Bulldog breathing difficulties. Yeah. Uh, or you, or you part of voice search, you say, okay, Google, tell me what's wrong with my French Bulldog who has Breathing, breathing difficulties. Yeah. Yep. And if your if your page title says hypothetically French bulldogs have breathing difficulties in summer. Yeah. Then there is a high likelihood because you've used French bulldog breathing and difficulties yeah. in your um, title uh, in your title and quite possibly even in your um, keywords, then it has a higher chance of being returned as a result. So then that leads to higher visibility. So users generally, the higher up in the search results it is, the more likely a user is to click on it, Mm. uh, which also then means you're getting more quality traffic coming through. And if that happens, that also gets sent back to Google as a signal to say, okay, for this particular topic so french bulldog health breathing difficulties this page has become a trusted source right wow so it knows as a priority to send people there because it's exactly more information about what people actually want to know rather than saying um here's a signpost this is everything you need about french bulldogs 
breathing difficulties when mm. it might not be in the content itself. It's just one big. That's signpost. correct. That's correct. So half the half the struggle is getting people mm. there. Yeah. So that's through your metadata. That's through um through your promoting. But the other half is keeping those users there. So that mm. is ensuring that you get that people get the gist of what that page is about very early on. Mm. That there is enough engaging content for the user to read right through. There are enough links leading to subtopics or to to related topics for users to choose their own journey. So like a pick a path yep. type adventure, yep. Um, yep. Which, in, which in turn entices them to stay longer, visit yep. more pages, increase the likelihood of those users returning and also sends that signal back to Google saying, well, it's not only this page anymore that is a, that is a trusted source, but this whole site in general. It's a bigger tree of information, right? Exactly. Wow, because I was under the impression that when I wrote a blog and, you know, I might be influenced to write that blog by someone else's blog that, um, you know, sometimes I would put their link in there, but then I'm just doing them a favour. And obviously because I'm paraphrasing them or I'm talking about them because it's a really, mm -hmm. their article's really great. I mean, that's, that's still really good because it shows that I'm, using a source that is probably much more yep. viable than my, than my website is because they're more popular and fabulous, although I am fabulous. Um, but, um, it's, it, <laughs> I, but I haven't, what I am popular, of course, but what I haven't done is I haven't added links within for my own website in those blogs. That's correct. And so what you've, what you've just explained there is good practice because you are acknowledging the original owner. Yeah. And so if we're looking at it from a technical SEO lens, you're essentially providing uh, a canonical link back to yeah. back to the original source, saying that source is the is the source of truth. Yeah. So we're not going to I'm not going to cannibalize that person's uh, um, audience and take them from them. Yeah. But what you what you've just explained is you've sort of missed out on your own opportunities as well because mm. uh, if you've written related content, you could very easily extend the average user's journey by popping up those links. Uh, contextually in, inside yeah. your content and even sort of outside as uh, as uh, appropriate calls to action. So you might have a side panel, for example, that discusses an opportunity within your um, your blog to learn more information hypothetically about uh, the best ways to to pamper your French bulldog mm. or or to uh, to look after them uh, during the warmer months because they might suffer from a number of other ailments. Yeah, right. So what? the information that you write and the genuineness of the content and things like the layout, whether it's not too convoluted, yes. the images, yes. Correct. point forms, that part plays a part in how genuine your site is about the information rather than being a surface you know, a surface bit of information just because you needed a page which said mm. something about. Most definitely, yeah. most definitely. So the purpose of a website can either be to inform or to entertain. The other purpose of of the website is to act as a central node as as you guys are aware yeah. <laughs> uh, you've got your you've got your social media channels that are promoting and saying hey come and have a look at this piece of content that mm. I've written it is really relevant to French bulldog lovers out there yeah but mm. you've then got to got to ensure that uh, a your content either uh, definitely relates to to the post that you've just sent out b it relates to to the type of people that you're trying to uh, attract 
But then also you've really got an, an opportunity to say, well, okay, since you're here, you might also be interested in other um, topics or subtopics. So the best ways to do that is to, as I said before, link those yeah. pages together. Make sure that you get to the point when you're when you're writing when you're writing your content. So you're not sort of uh, saying the same thing in a number of different ways. Yeah. You're you're sort of getting to the point because when people come to a to a site, their atten- their attention span and their sort of the likelihood of them waiting a little longer isn't exactly going to happen. So you really need to get to the point. Yeah. When it comes to your images, you you sort of make sure that those images really do relate to to the topic that you're uh, talking about. Mm. And those images also have metadata too. So they also have um, fields like your title, yeah. your, your alt text. And they alt also... Text, that's what I heard today in the podcast this morning. Alt yes. text is important because Google reads it a different way. Most definitely. It, uh, so Googlebot not only mimics a user, but it also mimics a, um, an assistive device. So for those that are, that are um, impaired in some way, whether yeah. that be sight, oral Hearing. or cognitively, it, it yeah. does mimic a, a, a screen reader. And given that uh, one in five Australians do have mm. a, a disability of some sort, mm. that's, a, that's a fair chunk of your audience that, uh, that you're potentially tapping out and reaching out to mm. just by completing your, your alt text and, uh, and even sort of going through the, the metadata fields because that too is also... Uh, used by assistive technologies in some way. Wow! Wow! This is this is amazing. <laughs> I'm so glad we got you on. I'm just my mind. I'm just I'm just sitting here like mind blown. Oh wow! I'm so glad yeah, we put up is... with the tech issues to, to have this conversation. Because <laughs> we all we all we all know we've heard SEM yeah. and different terminologies, but no one really knows no. the the guts of what we just heard yeah and we've only still got the surface right now that's correct Lukey. you've only just scratched the surface the rabbit hole does indeed go a lot deeper than that gosh however in saying that i think i think the reason why a lot of people haven't um really heard or read or understood seo is probably due to a number of reasons and the first is being when content is being written about SEO, it could be written in a sense that uh, that there is an assumption that mm. uh, the only people that are actually going to read it are SEO practitioners yeah. or professionals. So there's uh, no need to really explain any of the content. You can just mm. throw as much jargon as you want. But the problem is for someone who is starting out, yeah. you're left scratching your head uh, for one and for two, you're going to end up more frustrated than not because uh, the more you try to uncover these, what certain acronyms are or what a certain metric and dimensions mean you're going to end up even more confused yeah so and you put it under too hard basket and yeah never, never that's correct and so that's and so that's the that's one problem the second problem is as i've mentioned uh, earlier before there's the notion that uh, seo is all about keywords when the reality is you've also got to look after your um your site structure you've yeah. also got to look after your tone of voice your accessibility your user experience and also your analytics so there's a number of facets to to SEO that quite simply don't see the light of day because of that. Yeah. And that pretty much comes from a marketing lens. So, so I, it's I'm, a little bit like, you know, it's not just all about the makeup. It's all about keeping the whole body fit. And oh, body, from right? the inside most out. Definitely, most definitely, out. Because, most definitely <laughs> because you can appeal to a user but you're not yeah. necessarily going to trick the search engine, search engine bot ah. or the algorithm for that matter. And given yeah. that yeah. search engines like Google and, and YouTube do make iterative, frequent iterative changes yeah. and, and mm. sort of one or two major changes a year, 
all those little changes that, and tweaks that they make affect a certain aspect of your your web content or your media assets or your um, uh, or your social media presence or anything in general and so all those little tweaks over time and all those little effects do aggregate and sort of affect you in a major way yeah. by the time a major change happens jeez mm. so the 900 odd dollar quote that i got for from an seo person <laughs> recently mm. per month i am, am not as i am not as outraged now as what i was at the time i feel like there is a i mean i understand it a lot more it sounds like there's a bit of there's there's a lot involved that i certainly and i'm sure a lot of people aren't aware of but it looks as if that there's a lot that anybody can do themselves as well so it's like you said you don't have to go out and pay someone to to do this for you if you can do some of the basic stuff yourself is that right yeah most definitely and uh, and it pretty much all comes down to the resource the online resources that you have at yeah. hand uh, that will explain what you have to do, how you have to do it, and why. most importantly, why you have to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, one uh, great example is the number of keywords uh, and the repetition of keywords that you can use on a web page. So there is a, the general suggestion that no more than 10 keywords and no more than, say, uh, 5% of your whole content should focus on at least on one keyword. Otherwise, it, otherwise, a search engine will read that and say, okay, you're repeating this uh, keyword a little bit too much. This oh, sounds spammy. Trick me. So I'm going to yeah. rank you down for that. Wow. It is all wizardry. This is the black, <laughs> dark arts. I know you said it's not, but it is. But you know what? These are just like things that people don't know, and that's why people like you specialise in this. You know, like we, we all don't mm. – we, we can't all know everything, and um, – but, you know, it's, it is really hard when you're a business owner or you're starting out and, you know, you see some people's businesses just take off and you, and you wonder why and, and I guess, you know, you think, oh, well, that person's blogging all the time. What, but it's, it's not just about blogging. Mm-hmm. It's about all the things that go with it and, and, um, and like you said, the five, mm. 5% keywords, you know, like I wouldn't sit there and, and want, calculate how many times I say e-learning, but maybe I should. <laughs> You know, no, but but, <laughs> but by the same token, uh, if you if you're really looking for the first place to start, it is basically just make use of your the metadata fields yeah. that you have at your disposal. Yeah. Then mm. you can start to think, well, okay, what are the character count limits, for example? Because as we know, if we we can type anything and everything in in the description field, however, it's not always wise to make very long descriptions yeah. because if they go over a certain character count limit, search engines tend to truncate them. So you you can read. Uh, so I mean, going back to the analogy of uh, the the highway to Canberra, yeah. you might write on the road sign <laughs> Canberra, Queanbeyan, Jerobombra, uh, and all other Elkhorn, surrounding areas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you might end up reading Canberra, Queanbeyan, Bell, Connor. and that's it. Yeah, oh. exactly. So you've missed that crucial piece of information. Yeah, that's that's essentially what uh, what a search engine does. If your piece of content in the description field is too long, essentially more so if it, if you're viewing that on mobile. Of course, because it gets hmm. cut down. Yes. Wow. Well, I hmm. think we need to have you on regularly um, for hmm. SEO therapy uh, for people who are trying to <laughs> sort it all out. Jason, do you have any any sort of tips? 
besides everything that you've just said, but is there, if for someone who was starting up a brand new business today and they were about to Google SEO, what, mm-hmm. could you give them a little bit of guidance or well, what would you tell them to do or look up or something to do with SEO that would help? Uh, look, to be, to be honest, I think the first, if we're going to look at SEO references and resources, blogs like Moz and um, Search Engine Journal yep. are good places to start. Yep. They do focus purely on SEO and SEM. Mm-hmm. The other thing I would, I would actually look at is a little bit closer to home. So things like Google Trends for for identifying the things that are trending uh, online at the yeah. moment, you could look at, you could even type in, start to type in a phrase in uh, in YouTube yeah. and it will start to autofill that based on mm. the most popular most popular search phrases. The other thing to consider is if you've got a, a blog, which obviously you do, um, Lisa, mm. it'll most likely be sitting on a content management system, mm. which will no doubt have access to link up to Google Search Console. So that's another resource that you definitely should be doing is linking up your CMS to Google Search Console because that's going to unlock exactly what people are searching for when they come to your site. Wow. Okay, cool. That's super helpful. more importantly, how your pages and your, your site ranks for those search terms. Yes. And see, and I have some problems with, well, some of my search terms people don't know what I would look up because I know what I'm doing, I would look up e-learning, but a lot of people don't even have a clue what e-learning is. So they look up how to create an online course, <laughs> you know. So I guess like it's yep. for me, it's like, mm. and I'm sure other people out there, you get so bedded down in your own stuff mm-hmm. that you forget that what you're yep. actually using is jargon and that's not what the average person would be looking for. So um, that's right. Yeah, I think e-learning for me gets and looked so, up like 20 times a month, which is just awful. <laughs> so I shouldn't use it. And and so the dead and so the dead. Uh, I suppose the dead giveaway is yeah, uh, start to start to put the feelers out, research. How people perceive e-learning? Mm. Do they actually reference it as e-learning, or do they reference it as uh, online learning, yeah. for example? Yeah. And if they reference it as uh, as online learning, it could be a simple language issue. Yeah. If it's if it turns out that there is a question or a topic or a subtopic attached to to e-learning and people are asking that as a question, mm. then it's a, it's probably as easy as uh, making sure that uh, the page that you want to answer that question. The title of that page reads a simple a simple response that that is almost like an answer oh, to that question. Okay. Oh, it's very tricky. I just love it. I love it. We're going to get you back. I like this. <laughs> no drama, guys. Anytime. <laughs> so, J- Jason, with I guess through the assignments and whatever else, because you've probably been, been the one person that has taken a reasonable amount of interest in podcasts and different things that we've posted. What sort of things, you knew Lisa, but what sort of things sort of caught your eye, you know, what might be interesting you with the podcast sort of setup? I think what the first thing that interested me is the fact that you've, you guys have mixed a social media page, a website and a, um, uh, and a podcast. <laughs> so it's, it's, it almost seems like, there you go. because, what because traditionally, you tra- traditionally you will have a couple of broadcast channels, which generally social media sites. Mm-hmm. And your um, and your website, which acts as the central node. Mm. But in this instance, yeah. what you're looking at is the podcast could almost be the central yeah. node itself because your product or your offering 
is basically fireside chats with with people that or mm. guests that you have on the show. Mm. You're discussing a particular topic or a particular theme. And because the website clearly explains what those topics and themes are, you're actually, whether you know it or not, you're actually appealing to specific audiences. And when you do discuss, when people do come on and discuss those topics, there is a higher likelihood of those people, re- uh, of, the, of your listeners returning because it's talking about specific topics that relate to them and you're speaking to either uh, you're speaking about topics that either add to their add to their knowledge mm. base or you're talking to mm. people who are just like them yeah that's right Oh, I'm so glad. We're growing a big tree, Lisa. It's going to be a massive tree. Well, of if, the, if, if, we, if we have in, uh, naturally attracted the SEO guru to our page without using SEO, then I, I feel like we've won. Part of our job <laughs> done. Lisa, you know it. Come on. Well, I'm so glad. Job done, guys. Oh, well, I'm so glad that you've, you've come on and you have just been invaluable, um, not only to my business, actually, I really appreciate that. Now I, I, I'm going to use some of these tips and tricks that you've just taught us. Yeah, I'm, this is going to help so many people. I, I deal with a lot of um, small businesses. I network like crazy and, and with a lot of startups because I've, I've had two startups, yeah. one failed, one's currently existing. And SEO is one of the things that people really struggle with. So I'm going to be pointing them to this podcast with yeah. you. So thank you so much. We did discuss it right yeah. earlier on. Let's do something which is going to be relatable and potentially, you know, make sense and we can continue yeah. on. And to be honest, that was that was the first thing that came to mind, especially given we are now possibly at the at the point where a traditional office based work environment mm. may well not be in its current form when we come out of this yeah. uh, lockdown. So you are mm. now catering to to an audience that is more mobile, more nimble, specifically interested in the topics that you guys are offering is genuinely relating to the people that you that you're going to have uh, on your show. I think you've got a combination there for a loyal following. Oh, I hope so. Mm. Thank you so much, Jason. <laughs> you're such a winner. Awesome stuff, Jason. No dramas, guys. Anytime you guys have questions or queries, uh, I'm more than happy to answer them. For no you. worries. Well, well thanks so start. much, Jason. It's been such a pleasure and um, working mm. with you on this and also struggling through uni. So thank you for everything. Well, wasn't that just a damn good info session on the search engine optimization topic? Lisa and I were blown away with just some of the new knowledge we gained from Jason's experience and knowledge. He was very kind with his time and he will definitely appear again on our show. Thanks very much, Jason. Now, we may just officially announce that from now on, he is our new digital marketing guru, and we look forward to having him again on our show very soon. Until next time, love you all. Live, work, digital. Salamat jalan. Cheers.